remain in verse number 1, and uh, we'll try to give you a thought this morning. The Bible says, Luke 15, 1, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And he spake this parable unto them, saying... Now notice he is speaking one parable. But Jesus is a good preacher. He's got three points to his sermon, all right? He said, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if you lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders rejoicing. When he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. I'm interested though in verses 8, 9, and 10. Either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it? And when she had found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. And of course, we know in verses 11 through 32, he gives the third point of his outline in the story of the prodigal son. But for a few moments this morning, I would like to draw your attention to verse number 8, and verse number 9 and verse number 10. And I hate to do this, but I, I'm going to borrow a title from a friend of mine. He preached, I'm not, I don't remember his outline. I heard him preach this about six, seven years ago. But I've just had this on my mind all week long. I want to preach on a revival of recovery out of these verses this morning. Ask God to help us. Father, we love you today because you first loved us. Thank you for your kindness and your mercy to us and your grace you bestowed in our life. Thank you, Lord, for this Word. Thank you for this Bible, this holy book of God that you've given us to read and to study and to live our life by. Use us today, I pray. Get glory to yourself. I'm nothing without you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Within the context of our Scripture, we note in verses 1 and 2 that the Pharisees and scribes have a problem with the fact that Jesus receives sinners and, and, and eateth with them wrote this down, they didn't like that he forgave sinners and they didn't like that he fellowshiped with sinners. And in response to their aggravation, their murmuring, Jesus speaks a parable unto them. This is not three separate parables. This is one parable broken up into three parts. Of course, in verses number 3 through verse number 7, we have the point concerning the lost sheep and how the shepherd left the ninety and nine in the fold and went out in the wilderness to find that one sheep that was lost. I cannot uh, read this text without thinking about a friend of uh, of, uh, of ours uh, when me and Grace uh, first uh, started dating uh, they, he's a preacher down in, in Monroe. His name's Stephen. And Stephen hadn't been preaching long. And, and I took him to a meeting with me in Georgia. And they called some preachers on the floor. And Stephen, it was the second time he'd ever preached. And he was all nervous. And he got up. And he read the ver He got the place marked wrong in his Bible. He wanted to read the story about the shepherd finding the sheep. And there 
was a song years ago uh, called Here I Am. I'm the one the shepherd went and found. And, and he, but he got mixed up and he read the verse in the Bible where it says, uh, Lord, have mercy on my son for he is a lunatic. And his point was he was going to read the text and then talk about, sing the song Here I Am. And so he said, he said, have mercy on my son for he's a lunatic. Then he said, and here I am. Yes, we made fun of him. <laughs> he got his verse smart wrong. He was so nervous. But we all figured out where he was going after a minute, amen. I remind him of that all. That has nothing to do with the message. I saw that and thought about Stephen, all right? But he deals with the lost sheep. And then in verses 11 through 32, he deals with the lost son. But this morning in verse 8 through 10, he deals with this lost silver. And I want us to look at these verses this morning with this woman being a type of the believer, being a type of you and I this morning. She has lost something that is precious and valuable to her. Now we understand that there are some things that we can lose. Now we understand we cannot lose our salvation. Can I get an amen out of that? Jesus said in John 10, 29, My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man can pluck them out of my Father's hand. If I didn't believe in the security of the believer, I'd shut my Bible and go to the house and do something else. Amen. But I'm glad that I'm saved for eternity, not because of who I am, not because of what I've done, not because of my last name, not because of the title of pastor that I wear, but I'm saved for eternity because we have a God that when He does something, He does it right. Amen. And so we're not talking about losing our salvation. But we do understand there are some things we can lose in this Christian life. Hey, you can lose the joy of your salvation. David prayed in that uh, prayer in Psalm 51, that prayer of repentance. He said, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Apparently, you can lose your joy. I'll tell you what else you can lose. You can lose your tears. You can dry up on God and your heart get cold and your heart get hard against God and you can lose that passion and those tears and that. You can lose your compassion for sinners. You can lose your desire for the Word of God. You can lose your testimony. You can lose your shout. I tell you, there, you can't lose your salvation and you can't lose the Holy Spirit, but there are some things you can lose. And I'll tell you what we need. We need a revival of recovery in our lives. We need to go back and get some of those things that we have lost and uh, somewhere along the wayside have been misplaced and, and been misused and, and we have lost those things. I'm telling you though, God, when He saved us, He gave us joy and He gave us peace and He gave us assurance and He gave us a Bible and He gave us a church and He gave us all those things because He knew we was going to need them. And I'll tell you this one, we can't afford to lose any of those things. I can't afford to lose my joy. I can't afford to lose my tears. I can't afford to lose my desire for the things of God. And you may be here this morning and you've lost some things. I mean, you've not testified in a long time. You've not had a tear roll down your face thinking about God's grace and God's goodness in your life. You've not been to an altar in a long time. The fervency and the passion and the glory and the touch of God. It's not just what it used to be in your life. I'll tell you what you need. You need a revival of Recovery. Get some things back. Let's look at the text this morning. First of all, I want us to note the serious loss in verse number 8. Either what woman having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece? I note the importance of this serious loss. You must realize the importance of what you've lost. 
reading behind one man, several men made this, and this man kind of just tied all three of these commentators together. He said, in that day, these married women, this is not, she ain't she carrying ten coins around in her pocket. In this culture, this, the married women, when they would get married, their father would give them a headband and have ten coins in that headband. And it was the equivalent of our wedding ring. It identified to everybody that she belonged to someone. It had several functions. It declared her status as a married woman. It told other men that she was unavailable. Uh, it, it, was, it was also used to identify a sinful woman. When a woman had been guilty of adultery, a coin was sometimes removed from by her husband to tell everyone that she had been an adulteress. In other words, those coins brought glory to the bride. And so can you see this woman, she's went through her day and all of a sudden she realized that a coin is missing and she realized that some of her glory, amen, Lord help us, her glory is not what it used to be when her love and her passion was first committed to her husband, but it's not like it was. She's lost something precious in her life. How important is your tears to you? How important is your joy, your witness, your desire for the Word of God? How important is that to you? She realized it was, it was nothing more than a 50-cent piece. But she realized it meant something. It was important to her. The reason a lot of people won't have a revival of recovery is because they don't see the importance of the things of God in their life. They have a take-it-or-leave-it attitude. But she realized the importance of it. Not only the importance of it, but notice the inventory. The Bible said if she lose one piece... Now, she's got 10, but she lost one. So she is operating on 90%. Not bad. I mean, I don't know too many believers that are operating on 90% of the will of God for their life. What I mean by that is, uh, anybody, I ain't going to ask you to raise your hand, I want you to lie. But you're doing 90% of the things you're supposed to be doing? If somebody's doing nine, nine things out of 10 that they're supposed to be doing, doing right, we'd say, that's pretty good. I mean, going to church, reading the Bible and praying, and we name all this stuff out. But it's just one thing you're not doing. We'd say, well, you know what? That's pretty good. You got the nine. You ought to work on that other thing. But she was not going to rest until she, she got 100%. Yeah. You know, a lot of people want to operate on just 90%. And most people are operating on less than 90%. Yeah. Herbert Locklear said this coin was a loss for one, was lost because of one or two reasons. First of all, she handled it badly. She was careless with it. You know, a lot of people lose their joy and their tears and their compassion. And whatever it is in your life, you know what it is because we're careless with it. Take it for granted. Amen. Take things for granted. You don't think about it as much. I mean, when you first, uh, you know how it is. When you first get a vehicle, I mean, every other day you're washing it. But after a little while, the new wears off, don't it? And you don't take care of it like you once did. I tell you, that's the way you can get in the Christian life sometimes. I tell you, when you first get saved, you want to get in the Bible. And you want to pray. And you want to go to church. And you want to tell others about the Lord. And you want to testify. And you want to sing. But somewhere along the way, you just kind of get used to it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's kind of get caught up in the motions and get it caught up in the routine. And she got careless with it. Another way she could have lost it because she was even unconscious that it was gone. You know how she lost it? In her daily life, in her daily labor. Every day she's just going about doing what she always does. And I'm going to tell you, when we get caught up in a routine, and thank God for routines, 
And, and thank God for good habits. I'm reading a book right now on, on it's not really even, a, uh, it's not really even a, a commentary. It's just a book on, on how to have good habits and, and have a good routine in your life. And, and it's got 30 chapters. I've had it for 15 days, and I'm on chapter 5. Y'all pray for me, all right? <laughs> You're supposed to read one chapter a day. I'm not very good at this habit thing. Y'all have to help me pray. But what I'm telling you is there's nothing wrong with routine, but she lost it in her daily routine, her daily life. See, I mentioned most people are good at living with 90%, but Jesus said, I'm coming that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. He didn't say, I want you to have life so you can, you know, just get by, okay? He said, I want you to have that more abundant life. Are you giving 100% to God? Am I giving 100% to God in my life? Does he have control over every area? It's quiet because he, he don't. From the pulpit to the pew. Come on now, nod your little baby's head up and down. Amen. We, he don't have control of every area of our life. And you know what? He desires to, and he can, but we're satisfied on operating on 90%. Nine out of ten ain't bad, preacher. This woman thought it was bad. There's the inventory, but then there's the identification. With this being a headband, others saw the loss before she did. Others could see it was gone before she realized it was gone. Boy, I've seen that in pastoring. I can tell when somebody's fixing to get out. Hello? I can tell when they're on their way out, Brother Rich, I just see it. And if you say something, you all getting up all up in their business. And if you don't say something, the preacher don't care about me. You can't win. <laughs> Amen. I'm telling you though, if they others could see that something was missing in her life before she realized it. There is the serious loss. Secondly, notice the shining light. Look at verse number 8. Either what woman having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, watch what she did, doth not light a candle... What this woman did, thank God for this woman. She's a great picture in this text of what we ought to do when we realize something is missing in our life. When she realized something was missing, she went and got a light. You know what the, the light is a picture of? It's a type of the Word of God. The psalmist said, The entrance of thy word giveth light. It giveth understanding to the, to the simple. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I'm going to tell you, honey, what we need to do. We realize things are not what they used to be in our life. When our compassion, our joy, and our tears, and our testimony, it's not what it needs to be. We need to go get the light of God's Word and begin to shine that light in our life. This light done two things in this text. First of all, it removed the darkness. When the light began to shine, darkness had to flee. She realized, watch this now, she realized that coin was lost in a dark place. Darkness being a type of sin. She realized she had to get, in that, she had to get that light to shine the light in those dark areas so she could find what she had lost. Are you picking up what I'm laying down? Amen. We ought to get back to the Word of God and say, God, search me and try me and see if there be any wicked way in me. When the light began to shine, it removed the darkness. But I'll tell you what else that light did when the light began to shine. It revealed the dirt. You know what she did? When she turned that light on, when she lit that candle, brother, brother Tony, when that light began to shine, what's the next thing she did? She went and got a broom. Hello? She went and got a broom. And she began to sweep. 
When that light began, I almost bought a broom up here this morning, amen. But uh, when that light began to shine, she said, this place is a mess. This, this, it's dirtier than what I thought it was. She just thought she had lost one piece. But it was a whole lot worse what she thought it was. I'm going to tell you, when that light begins to shine in your life, when you get in the Word of God and you let the Word of God begin to shine, you know what you realize? It ain't just this one area I messed up in my life. I, I, this and this and this and this and this. Are y'all hearing me? I'm talking about when she realized it was lost, she went and got a light and began to shine it. There is the serious loss. There is the shining light. But then look on in the text. Notice Notice the, the, number three, notice the sister looking. Watch what she said. And she sweeped the house and seek diligently till she find it. Now, I, I noticed this this week. Notice where she looked. She didn't go down to the supermarket. She didn't go down to the church. She didn't go to her neighbor's house. She knew where she lost it. You know where she lost it? At a familiar place. A comfortable place. She lost it at the house. Most people are spiritual at church. Most people can put on facade at church. But I'm going to tell you where the problem is. The problem ain't at church. The problem's at home. She knew when that coin was lost, she said it happened here. Notice where she looked. Notice why she looked. Why did she look for that thing? Because it meant something to her. The reason, I said it a moment ago, the reason many believers have no joy, no tears, no compassion, no desire for the things of God is because it means nothing to them. Where she looked, why she looked. But notice the way she looked. The Bible says she seeks diligently. That word diligently gives the idea she's serious about it and she's not going to quit looking till she finds it. You know what we do? We give up too easy. If we, don't, if we don't immediately, if God don't fix it in one service, in one Bible reading time, we quit. Ain't it amazing? When Eutychus fell out that window from the third story, he didn't stop at story number two. He fell all the way to the bottom. And when he got restored, Paul didn't send him right back up the way he came. Paul took him up the steps. Led him back into the church house. Say you fall all at once, but getting back with God, yes, there's forgiveness, yes, there's restoration, but restoration is a process. Amen. Restoration is a process that is based on repentance. You, you know, people want to quote all the time, people get out and sin, and they step out on, on, their, on their family, step out on their marriage, and, and it must be diaper changing time. Everybody went out at one time, amen. I, that's all right. Ronnie, you need to take Tony out? Is everything good? All right. I saw him getting up for a second. I didn't know, all right. Uh, but somebody step out, and they rebel on God, and they go cheat on their wife and go get them another one. They say, well, and they keep preaching. And they say, well, you know, Galatians says restore such a one. You can't restore somebody that, don't want, that ain't repented. And restoration don't necessarily, necessarily mean everything's like it was. That's right. Amen. You know, you can break your arm and that doctor set that bone, but for the rest of your life, there's going to be evidence that a bone was broken there. Yeah. It was restored. It was fixed. But I'm telling you, a lot of people, they give up. They don't seek diligently. Uh, they just go on. They want God to fix it just like that. And God's able to fix it just like that. But I tell you, if God did that all 
the time. We keep falling all the time. We say, well, I can just get right back. I can first John 1, 9 this thing. Everything be all right. And we take the mercy of God for granted. And we take the grace of God for granted. I'm telling you, God is a God of forgiveness. And God is a God of mercy. And God is a God of love. But I'm telling you this morning, this lady, God didn't let her find it right off. God made her seek diligently until she found it. It's not hard to get forgiveness. It's not hard to get right with God if you want to get right with God. See, people want to get right with God and continue in their sin. But Paul said, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid! How do we are dead to sin continue in any longer? There's the sisters looking. There's a serious loss, the shining light. But notice the silver located. Look at verse number 9. I love this. And when she hath found it. This involves two things. First of all, it involves humility. This coin, watch it now. It wasn't sitting up on the top shelf. Hello? It wasn't sitting up on top of the cabinet somewhere. You don't sweep a cabinet. She's sweeping the floor. She's looking. And when she found it, watch what she did. She had to humble herself. You know how to find what you've, looked, what you've lost? Get in a humble place on your knees. That silver was located, involved humility, but then it involved holding. She got a hold of what she lost. She figured out, this is what I've lost. This is what I've been missing. And she got a hold of it. And she took it and she put it back where it was. How's your joy this morning? How's your testimony? How's your compassion? Have your tear ducts dried up? You know what Job said? Job said, for God maketh my heart soft. Boy, that's a scary verse to me. Because that means that obviously Job's heart had got a little hard. You know what kind of man Job was? He feared God. He eschewed evil. He's got the right standards. He's got the right convictions. And I'm all for it. He's got the right separation. You know me. I'm telling you, if we're not careful, we have all that stuff and our heart get hard. Hey, there are things we ain't going to put up with around here. There's some things we're going to stand on, we're going to do, and we're going to, amen. But I want to keep a tendered heart. And I don't want God to have to put me through what Job went through to make my heart soft. You lost that joy, those, that compassion, those tears, the burden for souls. I'm talking about a revival of recovery this morning. Involved humility, involved holding it. It involved her, her, her looking for that diligently. I hope this is making sense. What are you missing in your life this morning? What is it that others can see that you don't even realize is gone? There is the, boy, I, I thought I'd be in another gear this morning, but I just felt like I'm just talking to you, but maybe this Bible will talk to us and help us. That, 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 that silver was located, but then notice the shouts that were lifted. Verse 9, we note her published recovery. She calleth her friends and her neighbors together. When she found what she had lost, she wanted everybody to know, I got it back. There ain't no shouting in verse number 8. There ain't no rejoicing in verse number 8. 
But when she got back to where she was supposed to be, when she got back what she was supposed to have, when she got back what was hers to have as a bride, she rejoiced. Remember I told you that that coin, they would take one away if a woman had been unfaithful? She didn't want people to think, go, she didn't want to go out in the community and people see that and think she'd been unfaithful to her husband. You know what a lot of people want to do? They want to date Jesus. But you know, we're the bride of Christ. But they want to date him. You know, and I'm, I can't remember if I've told this here, or I'm, I'm, I probably have in 10 years of preaching. But you know, I dated my wife. Some guys will say, oh, we courted. Whatever. You go eat a hamburger and a hot dog and drink a cold cola and you go to the mall and you laugh at people. Call it dating or courting. Whatever you want to call it. Same difference. I don't care. <laughs> Strand in a nap. But you know what, was, you know what would, would transpire at the end of the night? I left her at her house and I went to my house. Why? Because we're dating. Wasn't married. Amen. But on September 7th, 2012, when we said I do, she went home with me. Or I went home with her. She made a little more at the time. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. But you know what? We wasn't dating no more. We belong to one another now. But you people, they want to date the Lord. They want to come see Him on Sunday. Come by and see Him Wednesday. Tip their cap to Him and say, I love you and everything. Now I'm going to go out and... Amen. You know, when you're dating somebody... If you do it the world's way, you can talk to 28 people at once, as long as the other one don't find out about it. <laughs> you know what? People want to date the Lord, and they want to run around and do everything, but then they, boy, I love Jesus. He ain't interested in that. We're the bride of Christ. Brother Keith told us, ain't, ain't one marriage in here that wants 99% faithfulness in our marriage. We want 100% faithfulness. And if we're the bride of Christ, he demands 100% faithfulness. Amen? So there's a published recovery. Notice the praising and rejoicing. He, she said, rejoice with me. But this is probably the crux of the whole message. The personal responsibility. For I have found the peace which my husband had lost. Which, which my children had lost. I never noticed that phrase before. Till this week. Which I had lost. You know what she's doing? She ain't blaming anybody else. She ain't saying it's my husband's fault, it's my kid's fault, it's my boss's fault, it's my preacher's fault, that's, it's my friend's fault. You know what she said? She said it was my fault. I lost it. You know, Lord help us. None of us will get closer to God until we realize that we're the problem. My biggest enemy is me. Your biggest enemy is you. And she got to the point, she said, I found the peace that I had lost. I rejoice when I see people get right with God. But I tell you, people don't get right with God until they say it was me. That's repentance. That's why Jesus said, he said, likewise I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Give me this and I'm done. Verse number 10, I've always heard people say, Praise God, when I got saved, the angels started shouting and rejoicing. No, they didn't. Because the Bible says it's in the presence of the angels. I tell you, Grandma and Grandpa and Uncle Joe and Aunt Sue, they got to shout. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. Sorry. Who's in the presence of the angels? Well, if you study out the Bible, the angels are in the presence of God. So when a sinner repents, 
When somebody repents and gets right with God, who is rejoicing? It's God. It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. They are rejoicing over a sinner that repents. And we all know, by the way, Brother Mitchell t- taught us that. Uh, didn't teach you, taught me and Brother Richie and Grace that heard him. Uh, but taught us that once you start repenting, you never quit repenting. And when you get right with God and repent and get an area back in your life and what God says, Amen. Hallelujah. I don't know what he says. I mean, what is, glory to me. Amen. I don't know what he says. Amen. But he rejoices when somebody gets right with God and they recover those things that he wants them to have. Why? Because he wants them to have everything they want. He wants to, he wants to bless them and use them. But she had lost it. But thank God this woman had a revival of recovery. You know how she found it? She realized she lost it. She got the light. She looked for it. She humbled herself, lifted it up, and then the shouts were lifted, and she took that personal responsibility saying, you know what, I lost it. But thank God I found it. May God help us in these days. Let's stand together. I appreciate your attention. A revival of recovery. Well, preacher, if I go to the altar, people will think I lost something. I got news for you. Everybody in here 